Buenas tardes, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cafecito con Conciencia. Um, I'm here once again with my colega Susie, and we have another special guest. This time we're bringing somebody uh, straight from Boyle Heights, and I'm gonna let the man introduce himself. You know, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you guys for having me in this space. Um, my name is Rolando Cruz. I am a uh, lifelong, you know, resident of, uh, of Los Angeles. I've been born and raised here in Boyle Heights. Uh, I am also a, um, a long-time, you know, uh, you know, activist in the community. I've been involved in social justice. I feel like uh, uh, my entire life, and I am also a member of the Boyle Heights Regret. Thank, thank you for joining us, Rolando. I appreciate it. Um, we were having a conversation earlier before we got started. Um, and I was telling Susie, you know, that, you know, we, we met, um, you know, in a previous work site, which we will keep it undisclosed, you know, but, <clears throat> and, and <laughs> we, 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 were, we were working at El Gavilan. Uh-oh. El Gavilan, that, that's, you know, we, we came together, chopped it up over some tacos, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we worked at a, a at a previous space together, and and like I was telling Susie, one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to have you on board is the way you think about things, right? And and not only that, but the way you break them down when we're talking about the community, right? Um, where the three of us are for from three different communities, um, but communities that relatively struggle the same. Right or or face similar situations, right? And so, I I really reached out to you, you know, when with this article that that was published recently about, you know, former council persons being, and correct me on my pronunciation, and in, in, indicted. How do you say that? Right, right. So. Yeah, what's up with that? What's going on right there? Como ven? Yeah, what is up with that is a, is a legitimate question. Um, what David is referring to is uh, currently multiple city council members, uh, former and current, uh, from Los Angeles have been indicted on uh, corruption, bribery charges. Um, and most famously, uh, recently was Jose Wizar, uh, who represented the district, uh, 14 here in Boyle Heights. Um, and, you know, he just a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, uh, officially pleaded guilty, right? And so he's waiting sentencing any, any day now. Um, and I think, you know, adds to sort of long, long history of, uh, of disappointment when it comes to like elected officials, right? And, uh, um, you know, I think like the Jose Wizar case is like a prime example of how one can lose their way, right? We're talking about a, uh, a young man who migrated here from Mexico, you know, uh, with hardworking parents, gets into, you know, um, an Ivy League school, goes to law school at UCLA, um, 
you know, moves his way up and gets into, you know, uh, this district and then loses his moral compass, right? Um, and, uh, ultimately, you know, really betrays not only just, uh, the community, but betrays, uh, the hardest hit in this community, right? Uh, one of the, one of the properties in question is a property that he was trying to shake down for money with the caveat being like the developer wanted to reduce the amount of affordable units that that property would have. And so he's all like, okay, I'm not going to just do this. What do I get? From this? Right? And this is a man who sits on the, who he previously sat on, um, the commissions in regards to, ha- uh, addressing the unhoused in Los Angeles. Right. So again, it's almost like having, uh, you know, the wolf guard the sheep, right? Um, and, and so I think it's just a, it's an example of, you know, how power corrupts ultimately. And I think power corrupts across the board, right? Because I think sometimes we think like, um, you know, that the villain is going to look like a particular way, right? Um, and I used to tell homies all of this all the time. And I remember homies would be annoyed, but I would always be like, I'm not really nervous about like the white conservative Republican, right? Because I already know that who's not really going to be down for my cause. But what I'm worried about is the dude that looks like me, that comes from my community, that knows the language, but is only looking to serve themselves. And we currently, unfortunately, I think have a system that looks like that. That's in place. Wow. I think, uh, I think that just like makes sense when people kind of, you know, lose hope, right. in like voting or like, um, just like, you know, I know, I know like my grandma used to say, like, when people are running in, you know, running for campaigns or positions in Mexico, they're like, nah, they just want, you know, they just want money. So, cause it's like in Mexico, it's like very real known that it's like politicians are corrupt, period, no matter what, you know, um, whether people agree or disagree, right? But um, I think here there's still like some people that have hope and then some people that just don't care. I think that like, Ronaldo, you're some, some whatever, like what you're sharing is like, it makes sense why some people kind of, you know, don't get involved in the voting or they just don't believe in it. So there's like a split, right? But um, but thank you for, for like sharing what's going on because I think a lot of people aren't really caught up with what's happening in LA or in the Pimboyo Heights area, right? Everyone kind of gets caught up with everything that's happening, you know, kind of like nationally or what's going on across globally, right? That we kind of forget to tune in on what's happening in our local politics. Yeah, and it's also, it's complicated, right? These are, like, really complex issues that don't lend themselves to, like, the one word, right? Like, you know, so it's all like, so what was this dude doing? And, like, how is this legal, you know? And um, and we also are trying to consume things in a vacuum when you're competing with a bunch of other stuff, right? Like, you know, like... Um, you know, if you're, you know, eggs are expensive, right? Like, milk is expensive. So, like, if this is, like, these are things that, like, consume your time space, are you really, like, going to devote yourself to be, like, okay, so, like, this dude was shaking down this person or X, Y, and Z was happening. I think that that's kind of also part of it is that 
you know, we all come from communities that like living and existing as a challenge. So it's really hard to like, like, you know, like sit down and I was like, all right, let me read through all of this stuff. Um, um, but it ultimately matters, right? Because it, it, it impacts everything. Um, and who re- represents you ultimately would hope is advocating to improve the quality of life of everybody in the city. Um, and all of these dudes, like, man, credit to them, like, they have the gift of gab, right? They can walk in there. And their silver tongues can like cut through most of this noise. Um, but the system is inherently broken. And this is why I think, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to be optimistic that things will change. Especially when we have, when we have, you know, you said something that really like stands out to me. And, and you know, you're not so worried about the white man, right? The, the white conservative and you're more worried about you know raza who look like you and I mean we have Cedillo right Villa Raigosa right who was once part of Mecha you know he was like this organizer and whatnot right and then he just betrayed the South Central Farm here in, you know in, in City 9 like completely backstabbed him, told him, yeah, I'm going to have your back, you know, and, and I'm going to support you when I become mayor. And, you know, gave him all these flowers and stuff and then turned their back on him, you know. So it, it's, I don't know, to me it's just, I, I, I hear I hear when you say, you know, like, how do I get involved, you know, when I have to worry about things that are going on at home, right? Do I spend one hour of organizing or do I spend, you know, an hour which, you know, it could give me anywhere between 15 to 20 bucks, you know, for somebody who's working class and I could use that to buy a carton of eggs, right? Or, you know, so it's, it's that challenge, you know, so I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how do, how do we get more people to like, maybe not as active, but like paying close attention to these things that are going on. Yeah. Um, I recently did this interview with, uh, uh, Gene, uh, Gene Guerrero, who's a reporter from the LA Times, right? And he was asking about why the, the recall of Kevin DeLeon failed. Right? And it's like, so starters, like the benchmark to recall a city council member is incredibly high. You need to gather 20,000 signatures. Um, that's a super high threshold to, to achieve, and the only real way to achieve it is through hiring paid canvases, right? The person that's going to be outside of the grocery store being like, hey, you guys dislike the direction your district is going in? If I could get your signature, we'd love to get, you know, elected decisions and as somebody that will uh, represent the, the district in, in the positive light. So, how do you get people to, like, care about these movements? It's reminding folks, you know, like, we, the activist class, uh, the, the radicals, need to understand how do we count, how do we connect these conversations in a genuine and a meaningful way to remind folks that, like, your, um, they, your quality of life can potentially be 
be better than what it is now. Um, right? And so, um, and so I think of it almost like music, right? Like, if I'm making music and all, and I'm like, nobody's buying my album, it's because they just don't get it. Instead of me being like, maybe I suck and I should change the type of music I'm making, right? And I think that that's kind of how, like, the next level of leadership in the city has to be with is like, how can I make my message more appealing to the broader audience to understand what I can bring to the table? This is why I feel like, you know, the recall of kind of the Leon failed, right? Like, there's a lot of energy at the beginning, right? This guy has to resign from the White House to the Senora Dynasty, like you could probably go. And and this guy, and I, and I told people early on, I was like, I go, he's not going to resign. Because a, a guy like that, like, that's so in love with himself, doesn't quit like that. Like, he's like, no, no, no. I knew what he was going to do. He was going to lay down the talent. You guys might hate me. You might despise me. But you are not organized and resilient enough to do anything about it. I dare you to do something about it. He didn't say it, but his actions did, right? Because, like, if you have everybody from the White House down telling you, you need to resign, you have hurt the city, you were caught literally calling the black community the Wizard of Oz, that they stand behind a, 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 a gate and make their voices seem like, they, you know, that they're a thousand, you carry a young child to a, a handbag, right? Like, Incredible language and super hurt, hurtful. But, I'm not gonna resign. So why? Why won't he resign? Because I am here to serve by, I will leave, I will abandon my constituents if I leave. They'll be without representation. Does not take into consideration, a year ago, what was Homeboy doing? Running for mayor. Which would have been, had he been elected and moved forward would have left this district without representation. So which is it? Was it really about representation? No, it was like, it's like, I realize I don't really have many options, so I'm going to hang on to the position of power that I have. Even if nobody likes me, even if I have to vote from the back of the chamber, right? And the, the what a cruel fate, right? You hear you compared the African-American community to being the Wizard of Oz, but now you're the one that has to vote outside of the chamber in the in the, the bowels of City Hall. All of that to say, though, like, the activist side, in my opinion, dropped the ball in the way that you have to, you can't bring people to your movement through the lens of hate, right? You can't be like, you're a white supremacist, you gotta go, you're a racist, exploitative, exploitative, right? Because, like, my mom isn't going to get behind that movement, right? So how do you do it? Like, that Oaxacan celebration of, like, community and Oaxacan culture that is in downtown, that's the model, right? Like, highlighting the best of the community, saying, like, this is a celebration of, of who we are. We are proud to be a Oaxacan. You know, you have to translate that movement into that political movement. And really, honestly, the low-hanging fruit for them should have been like, what is the highest concentration of African Americans within District 14? It is in Skid Row. 
And so if the activist community really wanted to do something, start to organize in that community, right? Start to gather signatures there and say, like, this is the elected official that's responsible for this district, and he's not willing to meet your, meet the needs of this community. We're going to show them how you lead the city. Ultimately, I believe this political career is over, right? A year from now, Homeboy is going to be working with some big developer, and it's going to be a wrap, you know, and we'll, and we'll move from this moment. Um, but, you know, again, I think it's like the audacity of, like, you know, who he is and, like, you know. Like, here's the thing. His name isn't even Kevin DeLeon. He made it up. What do you it's mean? Kevin Leon. It's Kevin Leon. Really? You look him up. It's Kevin Leon. He made the De Leon part because it sounds better. This gives you a, a this gives you a window into who this man is. In the article that Dean wrote, you know, he's also talked about the dual complexity of issues, right? Because here is a man who also advocated to make Los Angeles a sanctuary city, to make California a sanctuary city, put forward some of the best um, uh, legislation for the migrant community and the immigrant community. So this isn't to dismiss that he hasn't, that he's, you know, total evil. He has done things that are really, really positive. But the flaw is not willing to, to reconcile, right? Instead of being like, I hurt people in the city. I damage the city. I damage the black and brown relationships in the city. And a real leader would have said, you know what? I'm going to gently step aside and allow the city to heal. He chose not to. Right? And so I think, you know, human beings are complex individuals, right? We are all flawed. We all have flaws. We've all done things that we're not proud of. And so I'm not saying that, you know, um, you know, that like we're all perfect, but I'm just saying that like the path that we choose to move forward in life is really key. And I think that all we needed to know about him was when, like, this city was hurting based on his language and the words that he used. Instead of resigning, he still said, I'm going to still stay here. And fair enough, he was smart, right? Like, I'm going to give out groceries to the community. It's going to have my face on there. It's going to have my big-ass name on this big part in the food and all of that. That's a classic veteran move. You are talking about your grandmother talking about every politician in Mexico being corrupt, right? And But that is that me- that method, right? Like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give out all of these resources. And he did that. And he, and in in that way, he ends up buying um, a lifeline, right? People are like, yeah, what he did was kind of messed up. Like, you know, we all make mistakes and, you know, and that's it, right? He just, he just won the battle. Hmm. It sucks, right, that, like, we say we want to hold these fucking politicians accountable, right, that we want to, you know, have them, you, you know, just take ownership of all the shit that they've done, you know, the negative stuff, right? But at the end of the day, it's like some, like, a lot of us tend to forget, or maybe not forget, but you know, like, push it to the side, and they're like, okay, yeah. cool. Right. So that accountability part, like really, like we need to be more like nos tenemos que poner las pilas on that side, you know? Uh, but, you know, and, and I think there's like something to be said about that, right? Like, I think, 
Mary Martinez resigned. But again, let me take a step back. My favorite show, and this is just to give you an insight into the, the way I view the world. My favorite show of all time is The Wire. Anytime I do any conversation with anybody, I always talk about The Wire and I say, you should watch The Wire because it is by far the best, uh, best show that has ever been created. And if you want to understand the nuances of poverty and, uh, all of the systems and why they do not work and how they are broken, The Wire is a master class in breaking down all of those systems. And, um, uh, Jonathan Abrams, uh, another LA native, um, wrote a book called All the Pieces Matter. Um, because in that show, all of the pieces matter. And here's why I bring this up, because Mary Martinez was willing to resign prior to being involved with the office, the elected office. She ran what is called Persona Beautiful. And now, that district is having a re-election, and the person that is in contention for replacing her is a woman that previously worked for Mary Martinez at Persona Beautiful. So why do I say this? Is it like, again, the, the lineage, right, is still there. You know, the old, like, you know, um, Pueblo rules are still there, right? So it's like, well, now my cousin and his cousin was in that role, and now same thing in, in, elected, in, in elected office, right? So the next person that's going to represent Mary Martinez's district is somebody that was her protege that worked for Mary Martinez, right? And, uh, you know, and like politicians are like modern day rappers, right? They like make up stuff. They reinvent themselves, and if they're not really popping, they wait a while, and then, you know, maybe I come back on a feature, you know, maybe I find myself in something else, but they're modern-day rappers, they just kind of create these personas, um, and the Latino blueprint is this, right? Yo sé, yo conozco esta comunidad, y yo quiero apoyar esto, yo vine de esta comunidad, y mi mamá trabajó bien duro, y para que yo pudiera avanzar, yo quiero hacer esto para todos. Boom. On the, on the flyer, on the mail. Well, when are you running, there. when are you running for office? Cause, I mean, you just, you just sold, no, I, you just sold me the like, award. I'll, I'll move to your district just so I can vote. I, <laughs> I, I only run on Wednesday nights with the Boyle Heights Preserve. Here's my thing, man, is that I genuinely believe, like, to take into consideration, right? Like, what is the biggest challenge that the city faces at the moment? Is the challenge for the unhoused community. Everybody that is in city council, minus, you know, three individuals, but most of them have been career politicians. So they've been at the driver's seat as the housing population, the unhoused population has grown in the city. Well, why is it growing? Because of the unaffordability, right? Why is things so unaffordable? Well, because now developers have snatched the property, the bio, and especially for you all in South Central, you are all acutely aware of this, right? Homes that are now, like, you know, going for well over half a million. 
right? And the reason why I say this is because I've seen this in Boyle Heights, right? Now we're here in the neighborhood where a lot of homes are creeping at that one million mark. Me and my wife talked about this so often. I was like, I was like, you're going to see it. We're going to hit that half a million, and eventually you're going to see that million dollar mark, right? Um, the, the gentrification in Los Angeles is not very different from the gentrification that takes place in New York, right? Areas that were once viewed as places that nobody wanted to live in. Nobody wanted to live in Brooklyn before. You know, nobody wanted to be there. Now everybody wants to live in Brooklyn. Now everybody wants to live in the ground. Now what do they all go for? Well over a million dollars. The same thing is going to happen here in Los Angeles. It's like the gentrification always moves off-life. So let's, let's, let's break this down. You come in, you move in here from Kansas. You know, Missouri, St. Louis, you don't know LA. You're like, oh, I want to live by the beach. Wow. How much does it cost to live in Manhattan? Hermosa, Santa Monica, Venice? Expensive, right? So you're like, alright, well, maybe I won't be there. Alright, well, what's next? Alright, what's Hollywood, Hollywood? Yeah, I'm, I don't really want to be in that scene. Keep moving. Alright, maybe Los Feliz. Whoa, I cannot afford to live in Los Feliz. Oh, Silver Lake is kind of popping, and all right, but I still see expensive. All right, let me keep going. Echo Park. Okay, this is cool. Echo Park, Island Park, Cypress Park, all get gentrified. All right, well now I got to put the meal. Well, what else is out there? Royal Heights, you know, uh, City Terrace. Now we're all the way down South Central. It's going to be Southgate, Downey, all of these places. And this will continue to, like, you know... We're talking about the gentrification of Compton now, right? We're talking about the gentrification of Lamar Park. We weren't talking about that 10 years ago, but now we are here, you know. Um, Clockwise, you know. Um, and so, it all boils down, again, to the, that affordability and the power that the city has given developers. And, and, and honestly, it's greed at the end of the day, right? Is that like, you know, um, say you are, a, uh, an owner of a, you know, of a house in South Central, and you're renting it out to a family and you're charging $1,200 for that. I own another property right next door and I'm charging $3,000. Right? You're like, damn, Rolando's making how much more than I am? This is that moral compass moment, right? You have to just be like, nah, I'm going to be good with a family that's been in the community for 15 years, 20 years. They pay their rent on time. They're good stewards. But that is a minority. Most people are like, well, I'm going to try to kick these fees out. So then if I bring in somebody else, I can just charge way more money. I'll make the, and it's this, what generation did we grow up in? You gotta get paid, I can't get that bag, I can get that blah, blah, blah. at all costs. The moral compass is broken. Right? Like the moral compass is broken. Because the the taquero vendor cannot coexist with the like, you know, high end cheese, you know, like shops in the same neighborhood. They don't they don't coexist. Eventually one is gonna eat the other, right? And so, like, that greed and that moral compass is broken in this city. We've given too much power 
because like that developer, this whole idea of like, you know, like, oh, and, and, you know, I know this guy's fiasco that like, is always, hey, you know, big dog, like, you know, if you get your parents to sell that iPad, like, you can make a gang of money on it. I ran into this cat, and he, he's all like, and we were eating tacos, and we're like, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm from here from Boyle Heights, but I don't live here no more. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, USC bought my, bought us out from my pad. He sold it. He made over, like, you know, and it was a, 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 a whatever spot, but we were able to sell it for, you know, like half a million. So what'd you do? Well, we went and bought a place out in, you know, the IE. We got a big ass spot, but my job is still here in LA. So I'm still having to commute. So now, like, you know, that commute is too rough. So we just ended up renting another spot that's much smaller here in the community. But that goes to show you the broken system, right? Like we tell people like, oh, you can, God, you gotta sell your place. You can get over, you know, half a million. This is transformational wealth for some folks. And at what cost, right? At, at the cost of breaking, you know, the city at the end of the day. And uh, the reality is that we can fix homelessness in Los Angeles. We just don't have the moral guts to do it. Uh, because it is going to require this ecosystem. And it's going to require to redistribute money from people's pockets, you know, and I think that's where people don't... Not even redistribute, it's going to require us to take, take it. Take it, yeah. You get me? Because, like, and this is why I say it. On Fifth and Main, there's a large, brand new, you know, uh, condo. Vacancy is probably about 50%. So it's about 50% empty. Who owns it? Chinese developers. Those dudes don't care about the ills of Los Angeles. It's an investment property that they've already made their money on. I would argue that there should not be any foreign investor that owns property in Los Angeles. Because you don't have a vested interest in the success of the city. You know, there's not a, a vacancy problem. There's an affordability problem. There is a, there's a, a broken system that we do not value community anymore. We value developers. We we value money. Um, you know, and so my first apartment is not really an apartment. It was like a studio in the park department. I paid about 700 bucks for it. And it was great, right? Because it was only me. That same apartment now goes for close to 1400 right? Nearly double. That affordability, but like, you know, I was fortunate that I, you know, I've economically been able to like accelerate. And if I wanted to live there, I still probably could. But what I'm saying is that like some people that are not in that financial like state, right? Like somebody that is, uh, uh, a street vendor isn't getting, uh, a, a pay increase, right? So those, those are the people that the city is ultimately forgetting at the end of the day. As you're sharing, and I like, can't stop but think also about, like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, y'all, but, like, I know, you know, NAFTA, right? Like, when the U.S. started to, there, our developers or the U.S. developers started to do this and, like, 
border towns, right? Or like, you know, um, other areas where they can, their manufacturers can, you know, boom, and it's all about profit and not, you know, the people that were working there cannot afford um, living there. So, you know, it just, it just made me think about all that. And that's exactly what's happening now here, right? It's, it's, because I, I, as you're talking about, like, people moving out to LA, like, yep, I've known, you know, several of my coworkers, like, who, for, you know, I, my wife and I bought our home in Compton, and now it's been, like, four, four or five years, and our, you know, the value has gone up. There's a house across the street that was sold for, like, close to a million. That's because they have a pool, but it's just, like, and it's Compton, right, and one time we went to go visit some friends, and, like, I think it was uh Lancaster I forgot which ones but one of the you know Lancaster Riverside and they were letting us know oh yeah we pay half the price that we pay for mortgage but it's like you know the space is is like twice as big or like three times as big you know um so it's like when you think you know is is that is a reality for a lot of people some people live over there for the space so other people compromise space and want to live in LA but then now it's like now you have to figure out like we were talking about earlier before recording like everyone who lives in LA has to have a side hustle right in order to be able to afford it, um, and that is like that's that's just sad right like that that's not that's we're not able like someone who's single um, cannot afford anything anymore like you either have to find a friend and live like live together and. Uh, and just be able to afford a, like a livable, or like, by me, you know, just make it uh, within both salaries to be okay. Um, but like to have your own space and don't even think about starting a family because then that just creates more, right? So, um, so, it, I, so yeah, all those things were kind of coming to mind as you were sharing about, you know, like what you've seen. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie called Set It Off with Seymour Pisa and. But I really recommend it because I think that, you know, it highlights this, like, the struggle of the middle class and the working class. And I always talk about the working poor. Um, because you have in this film, like, you know, these women that work as janitors that still can't get ahead. Right? And what they resort to ultimately to be, to be able to do so. Um, the movie was super ahead of its time of predominantly Women cast, you know, color doing really phenomenal things, but like it is a highlight of what, um, you know, what the, the struggles will push you to do. Um, and it's a classic, uh, LA film. So if you have not seen Set It Off, add that to the laundry list of things you should watch because it is like, um, you know, the city is like built off of the working, uh, class. Um, and the city would not function without without it, you know. Uh, and uh, I am really bad about being the optimistic guy. Like, I realize this over time that I'm not really good at when I enter spaces to be like, how do you move forward? And so I work hard at it because, like, I used to work at Skid Row. And working at Skid Row, I realized work, I was working with the most resilient population I have ever worked with. Most resilient. 
And the only reason why I care and I'm still super passionate about this city is because of folks that I would work with in Scarborough. And I say this because, like, these were folks that were really, like, if you and I think we've had a bad day, right? Like, it pales into comparison of what uh, individuals that are experiencing homelessness, homeless addiction, hungry, all of the things, but still get up every morning and push forward. The hope in this city is within those folks, the working poor, that still get up every morning that are like, I know the odds are stacked against me, but I'm still going to push forward. And I've seen remarkable folks do really great things. And that's what gives me hope. And eventually, out of those, those like really tough moments, I think the next wave of leadership, because to be perfectly frank, the leadership isn't the youth. The youth isn't going to do it. It's the youth, the it's the elders, it's the people that are broken. It's everybody. It's It's like we're we're putting a lot on the shoulders of the youth, you know, like, (laughs) <laughs> like we could, we could right. fix what's going on right now, and we're like, here you go. <laughs> I remember being young, and people be people be like, oh, you got to change the environment, global warming, gangs, addiction. You know, these are. And so what I realized is like, you know, like, you know, like, uh, like I'm 40 years old, right? I came to age in the era of like gang violence and like, you know, like mass shootings being in school, right? That shit's still going on now. Right? It's not the youth that's going to end that stuff. It's just not. Right? It's going to be a collective thing. Right? Uh, I am notoriously known for always making a boxing reference. And so here's going to be my boxing reference. Pacquiao, when he first came onto the scene, was known because he had a rocket of a left. He was a southpaw, came in super orthodox, would land this like left rocket that would just destroy you. Eventually, he caught on to it, and then this fool like got like was like, oh, like you know. And so his trainer was like, hey, somebody told him, he's like, you have a really good left-handed punch. And his coach really took that to heart and was like, so what do I have to do? I have to make him be able to punch with his right. And this is what I think all of us as a collective movement need to do. We need to be able to understand, like, we can't just rely on the youth. Because the youth is, that's one, one, one arm. It's gotta be the elders, right? It's gotta be us being willing to accept, you know, each other, each other with flaws and brokenness and all of those things. You know, all of it has to work in tandem. It just cannot be this one secular thing. I always see it in Twitter, right? Like, this is the generation that's going to end gang violence, or is going to end mass shooting. But it's not, right? Because they, they are going up against a, a sizable force. And so we just can't be on the sidelines, right? Like, it's got to be all of it collectively to hold people accountable for such change forward. Because the evil is out there, right? Uh, you think of like, you know, we are literally watching the rights of our LGBTQ plus community come under assault, right? But why is that? Because the rights was never going to like let 
love just win, right? These two stood, stayed squatting, right? Like, alright, you guys won this battle. And that's where we fucked up. We got comfortable. We're like, oh, we got marriage equality, we got women's rights. Guess what? Them have stayed on the strategy, playing the long game, 30 years of trying to flip the Supreme Court. How do you move forward? That old, old, like, hood saying, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Right? And that's how we have to, like, navigate moving forward. When we make an advancement for women, for people of color, we can't just sit there and celebrate and be like, bam. Right? Like, we gotta be like, hey, we got this, but this doesn't mean we're just gonna, we're gonna get to hold it. We gotta keep pushing. There is no time to lay back because these things have stayed plotting on us. You know? And so it's like, you know, uh, I've always been like, you know, like completely aware, like, this is always like, you know, just because you win that moment, cool. But like any, like any season, right? Just because you're the champion now doesn't mean you won't be later, you know? I am super annoyed and I'm genuinely very annoyed about like Obama and stuff. But like when Trump won, he said, it's going to be okay. But I think that was a bullshit statement. Because if we weren't going to be okay. Right? Like this man spoke with the Supreme Court, separated children at the border. There are still kids right now that are not in the arms and not going to go to bed with their parents because of this policy. It's not going to be okay. So, how do we make it okay? If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And understand, shit is coming. It will always be coming. You know? If you watch Star Wars, the Empire still keeps Logan, even no matter how much they lost, right? Like, no matter who's done, they're still coming. So you have to always stay ready uh, in these moments. Um, because they're coming. They're still coming for all of us. Right? In any regard. Uh, and they're going to be coming with foods that look like us. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm glad that you're saying, you know, that we have to stay ready, that we all... You know, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're bringing up that it's not just the youth moment, you know, movement. It's not just the you know us movement. It's the elders. It's everybody that's you know in the community. One of the things that I've noticed that is that it's hard or it's difficult to get everybody to come to a consensus and say yes, we're fighting for yeah. this, or not even we're fighting for this one thing, but we're fighting the same oppressor. You know, because then whatever vanguard we put up, however many folks we have, everybody wants to be the face of that movement, you know, and, and, you know, throughout, throughout the times, you know, that I organized, that's one of the things that I noticed, whether it was police brutality, whether it was, you know, uh, displacement, whether it was gentrification, like, yes, there are different groups. But for whatever reason, nobody can say, hey, let's put our shit to the side. Let's put our egos to the side. And let's sit in the same fucking table, organize as a collective with the people power that we have, and actually put things on our side. You know? And instead, it's like... 
Yeah, we have to value we have to value winning, right? Because the conservative side does. These two got behind Donald Trump, and they were like, "Hey, this is going to get us to the finish line. Cool. He's going to get us enough people to flip the Supreme Court. Cool. We're going to go with this dude, right?" The white vote continues to shrink, shrink, and shrink, but not the power. And so, right. with that, I think it's important. I mean, you know, like so, we're not outnumbered, folks. We really are not. We're out organized. No, we are not outnumbered, but we are out strategized. We are out strategized. You know, we are out strategized. Here's the thing: I am a straight man, and guess what? Are some of the causes that I genuinely care about? The LGBTQ plus community. But why? Because it's the right thing. You know? I, I remember, um, the moment I, like, cared about a movement that even wasn't even, like, one that is prescribed to me, right? Was a, a young man, Sam Shepard, who was brutally beaten for being gay, was, like, Coerced by two men who were literally looking to beat up the three men, beat him to death, and left him hanging on a fence. And I remember in high school being like, wait, so these guys purposely went out and harmed this young man just for being who he is? What the fuck, man? And so, like, to me, like, and I would debate anybody, I would debate my own family when they would ask about this, right? Like, they would be like, why do you care about, like, the Americans? I, and I would always say, I was like, I genuinely believe that God is a smart God. And so God is probably going to sit there and say, like, so these two people found love and are making the world a better place. But homeboy over there has been divorced how many times and married to how many people? But because it's a heterosexual relationship, I'm going to be okay with this one, but not the one with the two dudes. No, no, no. Come on. I think Jesus and I think God is really smart. And it's like, no, nah, I'm down with more love in the world. Right? It's not an issue that, like, directly impacts my life, but the people that I genuinely care about that are part of the community are seeing their, you know, like, their, their, their love being questioned. Come on. Yeah, then that's, guess what? That's my fight, too. You know? That's an injustice. That's my fight, too. And my black brothers and sisters, are hurting because they are being murdered at the hands of law enforcement. I am not a black person, but if my homies feel pain, then that's my battle too. You know? And so I think that we have to, like, understand, like, like, I want us, like, I always, you know, there's a saying that homies say, like, I just want all the homies to win. And that's, I literally want all the homies to win. You know? I've worked with countless people that, you know, maybe disagree with things, but at the end of the day, all of our modern life communities are really striving for the same thing. A job that pays you decently, health care, a roof over your head, and the ability to afford a nice meal every so often with your significant other. But whether you are like a, you know, uh, somebody that is formerly incarcerated in the same home, to the transgendered individual, guess what? Still striving for the same thing. There's really genuinely more things that unite us than divide us. We just have to be aware of that stuff and like highlight those things and bring them together. So 
because then you bring people together and you can talk about with anybody and whoever. This is a coffee podcast, and so I want to bring it and end it with coffee. I I love not only just like what coffee is and like all of that stuff, but the community that has come to them. And at a moment that I was really down and out, I would go to this uh, coffee shop called Cafe Woodster, and at this moment they had opened up a pop up. It was like in downtown in like a little warehouse, and it was like, and I loved what these dudes were doing, and I remember one of them. Damn, um, you know, and it's just like those, like, lightning in a bottle moments. I'm reading a book. I'm super awisado. And, uh, and he's like, hey, Rolanda, try this. And he gives me a, like a dark, beefy opening roast. And I was like, this is really good. And he's like, try this. And he taught me how to, like, drink coffee and, like, what to look for in the palate. And it made me fall in love with not only like coffee, but like the community that it brings you together. You know, these guys uh, come from a different part of the world and community and upbringing, but we bonded over coffee. And so I've seen, you know, Cafe said just do phenomenal and grow and continue and make a huge impact. During the holidays, I call them and say, hey, we want to give out donuts to the in-house community. The owner, James, uh, will be like, absolutely, how much do you need? I got you. How many cases of coffee? Coffee has not only been just something that I like, you know, drink every morning, but it's like, has brought some of the strongest and most beautiful relationships I have. Just like yours. Because you and I vibed out over coffee. Right? If it hadn't been for mm-hmm. coffee, you and I would not be on this podcast at this moment. <laughs> All I would have said is, like, David's the one dude that doesn't like the doctor. You know? But coffee was the thing that was, like, made me be like, oh, I like this dude. And there's this bond. But this is, again, that reminder, right? Like, we don't necessarily always have to agree on certain things, but what is it that we want to do to move forward? And even if we maybe just disagree or have various opinions about that, being open and securing it, opens that new chapter in your in your in your world in your life and that makes you a better person. Yeah, my drop. It's um <laughs> I just um I just appreciate, you know, Ronaldo, the work that you're doing and like your experiences and your wisdom that you have shared. I think, you know, I think it's hard when like David, you mentioned when you were, you know, in your organizing times, it was always the trauma wars, right? Like it's like people love throwing their traumas and see who has suffered the most. And I think that's like such a disappointing thing to see when you have like young people with energy who can have power um, or organize to, you know, do something. And then that kind of takes over the agenda. Um one thing I remember, you know, doing as I was, you know, traveling and got a chance to travel to Oaxaca was like, you know, just learning about the Zapatistas and learning about like, you know, one of their famous phrases is like, luchando puro mundo donde quepan muchos mundos, right? Like, it's like, it's like, you know, you are, we're not just, 
like it's not about like convincing someone, converting someone to your exact beliefs, but it's like what you're saying, Ronaldo, just the ability to just live with dignity, be able to be safe, feel safe, have access to just something to eat, you know, like just that. I think everybody deserves something like that, no matter how they look, no matter, you know, who they love. So I think that's just like, for me, that's kind of what, you know, keeps me grounded. But I think it's just, it's heartbreaking when you see other people and, you know, like at work or just in general, like in spaces, spaces where it's like, oh, it's always like, you know, it's always adults, you know, that have a hard time, you know, with understanding. And it's like you said, it's not just, it's not the youth, right? Like, the youth are looking up at adults to kind of like see like they're watching us every move what we do what we don't do so when we don't talk to so-and-so when we don't humanize so-and-so when we don't validate you know it's like it's it's, it's on us right so i think so thank you again for sharing and just like you know thinking about i think a lot of times when we think about politics a lot of people kind of like well, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I don't even know who is my city district or what that is or, you know, but I think it's just more than just voting, right? It's how you treat the other person, you know, it's how you, how you like coexist in this world that at the end of the day, like, it's getting hotter, it's raining more, is the weather is intense. So if we don't do something now about the world that we're living in, that we're a guest in, it's going to... We won't have one, so it's like when when is the time? You know, when is the time to do something, or just to you know recognize that you know what is is we're we are fucking up, and we need to do we need to figure something out. Yeah, uh, we definitely do. And again, I know often I am very doom and gloom. Like moments and conversations like this are like those moments that like give me um, faith in the steps that we think we need to take forward, right? Um, you know, um, we are like the Jedi. Where there's a few of us, there aren't many, but we're down, and we got like a lot of really good power that we can do something with, you know. And uh, uh, and so I think we take solace in that. You know who we are. We will continue to open those doors for the next person, whoever it may be. Right? Like I, um, I, I, I try to learn from everybody and anybody. You know, because like that wisdom is like in transformational, and I think um, uh, you know we all can benefit from learning from anybody, whether it's you know the young kid that's telling you what they're listening to, to you know one of our elders in the community, you know, and take it all in, um, and, and, and be fortunate, you know, take, you know, gratitude in that they're willing to share a little bit of themselves. And so I just want to say thank you all for sharing your space. Um, I'm a fan of your, of the work that you all are doing, and I hope that you continue to do so because I think, uh, the more we have voices that sound and are like yours, it only continues to enhance uh, who we are and uh, is a firm reminder that, like, you know, we are a dope ass community, man, and we should celebrate that stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, we, we appreciate you, you know, for joining us, for, for accepting the invite. Um, we've said it once and, and we'll say it again, you know. Uh, folks might not be into politics, folks might not be into so- social injustices. 
but these things impact you on a day-to-day, whether you're in them or not, you know, whether you try to tackle them directly or not. Like, these are things that are going to be happening around your daily lives. Uh, your community is going to change whether you take input or not. Um, and the worst thing that you can do is just sit back and not do anything, right? So highly encouraging. Yeah, sitting back. Yeah. Sitting back. That's it, you know? But again, no, I appreciate you. Anything else that you want to, you know, share with the community? Any any cafecito spots that you recommend? Any? I know you said you, well, you run on Wednesdays. Um, uh, all right, Mike. Thing with plugs, the Boyle Heights Bridge Runner celebrating 10 year anniversary this year. Uh, every Wednesday, Mariachi Plaza, if you're trying to get into shape or get back into running, great space, great place to come and celebrate community. Um, if you ask me to tell you uh, the best of Boyle Heights, I would say it happens every Wednesday night in Mariachi Plaza. Uh, coffee spots, um, Cafe Cafe, the homies uh, that run their stuff out of the Machine uh, location in Boyle Heights. Uh, Juan doing um, uh, incredible work, and uh, those guys, and I, I love what uh, Cafe Cafe is doing. Um, uh, those guys are, are phenomenal. Um, uh, but what is uh, the, they're on Soto? They always have a name that's always like a like the one picaresca picaresca there we go picaresca yeah, barra de café yeah that the name that does not roll off the tongue uh that, they're the other spot that I really I, I really love uh they're they're a great couple and they've been doing some uh phenomenal work um uh but again uh uh would say um are the people that, you know, they brought me to the dance, they taught me about the coffee community and what you can do and how you can do coffee and community and treating people really well and make it a successful uh, business. Um, uh, post, I said post-ish, COVID, the only time I really got sentimental, would be mad at me, David, was when I first walked back into Dodger Stadium and when I walked in, we're ending the podcast. <laughs> when I walked into Casablanca uh, after not being able to walk into the coffee shop for for almost two years, I remember walking in there and like feeling mad, emotional, and uh, and that's when I realized that like Casablanca wasn't just the coffee shop; it was a community, it was a space that uh, was very welcoming to me, and so. Yeah, if you're ever in, uh, if you're ever looking for community and coffee, coffee pieces, yeah, that's what I would highly recommend. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Susie, another Thursday night down. Um, como ves? What do you think? Any last words for your, the listeners? No, just thank you for tuning in and just make sure you check out these coffee places that, you know, that are alternatives to the mainstream that are out there. You just go support, you know, the money that you're investing is our money into the community. So, um, and again, thank you for everyone who has shared and just, yeah, just, you know, <laughs> don't stay That's sitting it. down. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't stay sitting down. That's it, y'all. Um, we'll catch up another time. Uh, Rolando, Susie, again, thank you for joining on a Thursday night. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.
Peace.